So I, I know you've got a lot going on. But remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct, you guys. If you are new here, how's it going? My name is Savannah, and I'm your host of Killer Instinct. I hope you guys are having a great week. I know tomorrow is... Thanksgiving. Well, if you're listening to this on the day that it is uploaded, tomorrow is Thanksgiving. And I hope that, you know, I know that this year is different and crazy and whatever, but I hope that whatever you're doing, if you celebrate, if you don't, you just have a great day. Stay safe, stay sanitized, stay clean, stay healthy, all of those good things and have fun. Have a drink for me. I'll be having one for you so you can have one for me too. So today's case, you guys, when I did my research on this case, I could not wait to sit down as I am right now and record it and tell you about it because good Lord, this is a crazy one. Today we are back with the solved case, which I know a lot of you really like. A lot of you like the solved cases, which I understand, and you guys need to buckle up because this is a crazy one. Today we are talking about the murder of Amy Allwine that occurred on November 13th, 2016. Now there isn't much information about Amy's life as a young child and growing up in her teenage years. This case really does start when Amy attends college. So that is where we are going to kind of hone in and focus on and start this case out at. So after Amy Allwine graduated high school, she ended up attending college at Ambassador University located in California. And this is where Amy ended up meeting her husband, who is a man named Stephen Allwine. Now, something that really connected Amy and Stephen quickly was their religion. They bonded over their religion. Both of them belonged to the Worldwide Church of God, which is an extremely, extremely conservative church. Personally, I am not too educated on religion. However, from what information I was able to gather, this church is so conservative that they don't believe, or at least they didn't at the time, they don't believe in Christmas and they actually reject Christmas because of its pagan origin. The Worldwide Church of God is also referred to today as the Grace Communion International Church and this church has been criticized a lot. Some people have referred to it as a doomsday cult. However, nonetheless, both Amy and Stephen bonded over their strong religion. Something the two of them actually liked to do together was dance. They enjoyed being each other's dance partners because for them, it allowed a sense of intimacy without violating their religion. 
Now, right after they graduated college, Stephen and Amy ended up getting married and they moved to Cottage Grove, Minnesota. And they did this because they wanted to be closer to Amy's family. In 2018, Cottage Grove had a population of about 37,000 people. So just to give you some context. Now, once they moved to Minnesota, Amy actually ended up starting her own dog training business and Stephen worked as an IT specialist. And from the outside looking in, everyone said that Amy and Stephen seemed like your typical all-American, loving, church-going family. Stephen mostly worked from home with his IT job, and this actually worked in Amy and Stephen's favor because they ended up adopting a baby boy. So now it was Amy, Stephen, and their son who were living in their home in Cottage Grove. Now, Stephen also had another job besides being an IT worker. He also worked as a preacher for the church in College Grove called the United Church of Christ. He originally started out as a deacon and then became an elder. And when you're an elder in the church, you have different opportunities that you wouldn't be given if you aren't an elder. These included being invited to travel to preach and give sermons. Stephen also worked as a couples counselor in the church. People would sign up and go visit him for counseling in their marriage. Now, at the time of Amy's death, her and Stephen had been married for about 20 years. And like I said earlier, they were by all accounts a very loving family and everyone loved Amy in particular. Everyone from the church and her friends and her clients from her dog training business absolutely loved her. However, Amy was hiding a very deep and dark secret from everyone that would end up changing her life forever. So let me break this down for you. In early 2016, there were internet hackers that were able to hack into a Hitman database. This Hitman database was called Besa Mafia, and these internet hackers were working side by side with the FBI. And when the hackers were able to get into Besa Mafia, they were able to find a list of names that was on the Hitman target list. So basically, they saw all the people that had hits out on them. And once the hackers found this list, they handed it over to the FBI. And when the FBI went through the list of names, they saw that one of the names on the Hitman target list was Amy Allwine. Now, six months prior to Amy's murder, the FBI actually made a visit to Amy at her home in Minnesota to inform her of the fact that someone had put out a hit on her. Now, obviously, these people who are requesting hits on other people, which, mind you, is crazy because you know that these types of things exist, but when you actually see them and you put a name to them, it just becomes much, much more real. And so obviously these people who are putting out hits on others are not using their real names. They usually go by aliases or usernames and they are kept completely anonymous. So even though the authorities were not able to figure out who exactly put out the hit on Amy, they were able to figure out the person's username. The person who wanted Amy dead went by the name Dog Day. God. 
Dog Day God had asked the question on the Basin Mafia website and put in the request for Amy to be killed. Now, the FBI were actually able to find emails between Dog Day God and Basin Mafia, and in these emails, it encrypted very specific details from Dog Day God about Amy's life, where she would be, what her schedule is, and where she would be staying if she was to be going to a dog competition. Dog Day God also uploaded a picture of Amy to the Basin Mafia website, so it was clear to authorities that whoever put in the hit on Amy was definitely going after Amy Alwine, and this was not a case of mistaken identity. Because you have to think, there probably are multiple Amy Allwines in the United States, so they have to make sure that they're informing the right one. So having this picture really confirmed that this was the person that they were looking for. So even though authorities were not able to figure out who Dog Day God was, it was clear to them that whoever this was was either stalking Amy or was just close to Amy in general, close enough to know exactly what her schedule is. Dog Day God was so determined to have Amy murdered that they also paid Basa Mafia about $12,000 in Bitcoin money to ensure that the hit would follow through. So Dog Day God was determined, and when hearing this news, Stephen and Amy became extremely afraid for their lives and decided that they needed to take matters into their own hands when it comes to their security. So after hearing about the hit out on Amy, Stephen went out and purchased a 9mm pistol, and they also installed a security system in their home, which sat on 26 acres. They set up multiple security cameras and they also installed a ring doorbell. Now, a couple weeks after Amy was informed about the hit out on her, Stephen and Amy also traveled to Germany during this time with some of the people that attended their church, and Amy was said to be as relaxed as she had been in months on this trip. And the reason for this is because she knew that the likelihood of the killer tracking her down in Germany was probably a lot more slim. However, when the couple returned back home, the fear automatically set in again. So let's discuss Amy's murder. On the day prior to Amy's death, which was November 12th, 2016, this was a Saturday afternoon, and it was a typical Saturday for the Allwine family. They attended church together, and then they went back home. Then the next morning on Sunday, November 13th, Stephen woke up early to do some work, and a little bit later, Amy started complaining that she didn't feel well. So because of this, Stephen had asked Amy's dad to come over and take their son while he took Amy to the clinic to see what was wrong. However, after Stephen and Amy's son was taken by Amy's father, Amy did not want to go to the clinic. She was refusing to go to the clinic, so they ended up not going. So after they decided that Amy wasn't going to go, at about 5.30 p.m. that night, Stephen went out to pick up their son from Amy's father's house. And once he picked up their son, the two of them went to grab dinner together while Amy stayed at home. And then they returned back about an hour and a half later. And then when Stephen and his son came back home, they discovered Amy's body lying on the floor of the master bedroom. And it had appeared as if Amy had been shot. When Amy's body was discovered, Stephen then called 911. He said, quote, 
I think my wife shot herself. There is blood all over, end quote. When the 911 operator asked if she still had a weapon, meaning if Amy still had the weapon, Stephen responded with, quote, I don't know. We just got home, end quote. The 911 operator then asked Stephen if Amy is still breathing, and he responds with, quote, I don't know. We just got back from dinner, end quote. And it is at this time on the 911 call that Stephen's nine-year-old son asks his dad, quote, unquote, are you going to remarry? To which Stephen responded, quote, I don't know, bud, end quote. Now, this is an extremely strange interaction to be having on a 911 call about your wife's death after immediately discovering her body. However, ultimately, the 911 operator asked Stephen if he and his son could wait outside for the police officers to come. That way, he could be there when they arrived, to which Stephen agreed to. Now, when the authorities arrived on the scene, they noticed a couple of things. First of all, Amy was right-handed, and the gun that was used to shoot her was found lying against her left hand, and the gunshot wound was also on the right side of Amy's head, so it wouldn't make a lot of sense as to why the gun would be found on the left side of her body. Amy's arms were also placed at a 45-degree angle, which strike detectives as odd because that's usually not the angle that would appear from someone who committed suicide. There was also no gunpowder residue found on Amy's hands, and when the autopsy was performed, it showed that Amy had a large amount of anti-nausea medication that she was never prescribed found in her system, and authorities also noted that there did not seem to be any forced entry in the home. So there are a lot of inconsistencies that don't necessarily line up with suicide, the big ones being there was no gunpowder residue found anywhere on Amy's body, as well as her being right-handed and the gun discovered on the left side of her body. Now, police also noted that the crime scene did not support the theory of suicide as well. There were multiple blood stains throughout the master bedroom, which was where Amy's body was discovered, and the hallway leading into the master bedroom was extremely clean. Now, let me break that down because it might not seem like that is too big of a deal, but here's why this stood out to the police. Authorities said that the floor covering the rest of the house, so the flooring throughout the entire house was relatively dirty. There was dog hair all over it. There was dirt all over it. However, the hallway, which was leading into the master bedroom where Amy's body was discovered, was clean almost as if someone had recently just cleaned up that spot in the hallway. It probably wouldn't have looked any different had the entire flooring throughout the house been cleaned. However, because it was only this particular spot that led into the master bedroom, it definitely stood out. So at this time, authorities decided to bring in luminol lights, which basically detects any blood that has been cleaned up. So if you were to spill blood on the floor or if you had a cut or something and blood was dripped onto the floor and you cleaned it up, these lights would be able to detect the blood that was previously there. So when authorities brought in these lights and they lit up the hallway and the master bedroom, they were able to see that there was blood 
all throughout the hallway of Amy and Stephen's home and blood all throughout the master bedroom that had been cleaned up. In total, there were about nine bloody footprints that had appeared to be cleaned up and nine blood stains found in the hallway. So right away, police are not convinced that Amy's death is a suicide. They're automatically convinced that this is a homicide. Okay, we're going to take a short break, but we will be right back with more of the Killer Instinct podcast. Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? Well, Apartments.com's Instant Alert feature works exactly that way. Instead of scanning rental listings a million times a day, simply set and forget your search to whatever you're looking for in a place and let Apartments.com do the rest. From pet-friendly apartments to balconies to in-unit ACs, Apartments.com's powerful search tools let you know when the perfect combination of features you're seeking is listed. So you don't have to power through rental descriptions one by one. With more rental listings than anywhere else, Apartments Apartments.com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you. Apartments.com, the place to find a place. All right, you guys, welcome back. So now let's move on to what police found during their investigation. So let's backtrack a little bit and go back to when Amy returned home from Germany with Stephen when she went on her trip with some of the people from her church. Now police found out that when Amy and Stephen returned back home, Amy started to receive very, very threatening emails emails that were saying that Amy needed to commit suicide or else her family would be seriously harmed. These emails came from someone named Jane, who alleged that Amy had ruined her life. And the reason that she said this is because she accused Amy of stealing her husband, who is not Stephen, by the way. Amy was being accused of basically cheating on Stephen with Jane's husband. Jane said in one email, quote, Amy, I still blame you for my life falling apart. I do not know how a fat bitch like you got my husband, but because you left, my life has become shit. I am sending you this email because it looks like you already know about me. I see that you have put up security systems, and I have been informed by people on the internet that police were snooping around my earlier emails. I have been assured that the emails are untraceable and they will not find me, but I cannot attack you directly with them watching." End quote. This Jane character also went on to say, quote, "...commit suicide. If you do not, then you will slowly see things taken away from you, and each time you will know that you could have stopped it, which will eat you apart from the inside." End quote. She even went on to say, quote, Unless you are a heartless, selfish bitch, then I expect to see your obituary in the paper in the next couple weeks. End quote. So I would just like you to imagine you yourself receiving these emails. It is extremely scary and unsettling. These messages are next level frightening and threatening, and it was also extremely confusing. Authorities had no idea 
who Jane was. These emails were used through an email anonymizer, so authorities were not able to track who they were coming from. So they decided they had to work a little bit backwards. Authorities wanted to see if they could find any indication that Amy was cheating on Stephen because they thought that if they were able to find out who Amy was having an affair with, maybe they would be able to connect that person with whoever this Jane character was. So authorities started going through and searching through Amy's cell phone and her computer and everything. However, they were unable to find any evidence that proved that Amy was having an affair. However, even though they weren't able to figure out who Jane was, it was at this time that authorities started to make their conclusion that they believed that Jane, the woman sending the emails, and Dog Day God, the person who was putting a hit out on Amy on the Basin Mafia website, was the same person. Now, a couple days following Amy's death, authorities decided that they wanted to bring in Stephen for some questioning. They brought him in because they wanted to know more about his relationship with Amy, and they wanted to know if there was a possibility that Amy had an affair with someone. So Stephen's initial questioning lasted about two hours. And like I said, at this point, authorities weren't looking at Stephen as a suspect. They just wanted to know more about the threats that Amy was receiving. During the interview, Stephen told authorities that he had no clue who would want to kill his wife. Stephen said that on the day that Amy died, Stephen went out and picked up their son at about 5.30 p.m. from Amy's father's house, and then the two of them got dinner and went back home. Stephen told authorities that all in all, he was probably gone for about an hour and a half. And it was at this point that authorities decided it was time to tell Stephen that they had discovered blood that had been cleaned up throughout the home in the hallway in the master bedroom. This was when they did their investigation and they used the luminol lights. So authorities told Stephen this and Stephen said he had no idea how that got there and he had no explanation for it. Authorities even tried to give him explanations as to why it could have been there, saying maybe it was from a prior injury that someone had cleaned up. However, Stephen denied that and said that he did not know how that blood was there. Now, before the interview ended, authorities asked Stephen about his relationship with Amy, and they asked if he himself had had any intimate affairs outside of his marriage with Amy. And this is when Stephen dropped a bomb on the authorities. Stephen said that a couple years prior to Amy's death, he had a short affair with a woman that Amy was not aware of. This to authorities was absolutely shocking. Stephen was a preacher who gave couples counseling at his church, so the irony that he's admitting to having an affair of his own was pretty ironic to say the least. And Stephen said that absolutely no one was aware of this affair. Stephen said that even though the affair was short-lived, he was not aware of when it started or when it ended. Stephen said the woman he was having an affair with was named Michelle, and he also said that he didn't think that Michelle was capable of harming Amy. So let's just break this down for a second. So you have Stephen, who is the preacher, he is the couple's counselor, he is the poster man for 
what he believes in. And he has now admitted to having an affair that no one was aware of. And he is also saying, along with that, and probably even more concerning, that he is not aware of how nine bloody footprints and nine blood spatter stains and just a giant pool of blood in general was cleaned up from his home, which was the crime scene. So at this point, authorities got permission from Stephen to look into his personal computers. And for being an IT guy, you would think that Stephen would know how to hide things a little bit better. However, that was not the case here. It did not take authorities long at all to figure out that Stephen had lied to them about only having one affair in his 20 years of marriage with Amy. Authorities were quickly able to uncover at least three different affairs that Stephen had had during his marriage with Amy. Stephen was actually using a website called Ashley Madison. Now, if you've never heard of Ashley Madison, this is a website that is strictly designed for married people who are looking to have an affair. So it's a cheating website. It is strictly a cheating website, like a cheating dating app, essentially. However, it's a website. They probably have an app out by now, but I don't know. So authorities found that Stephen was using Ashley Madison, and it was also discovered that Stephen had found a woman off of Backpage.com and had paid her for sex as well. Now, at this point, authorities believed that because Stephen held himself to such a standard when it came to his church and religion, he ended up going behind his wife's back and had these affairs instead of just going through with a divorce because the divorce would be against his religion, but having multiple affairs while you are married was not. And it's funny, if you look at it, you think about what we talked about in the beginning. Stephen and Amy were dance partners because it allowed them a level of intimacy without crossing a certain line in their religion. So he was definitely holding himself to a certain standard back then. However, somewhere along the line, the affairs to him didn't cross any line in his religion, but a divorce would. It's just ironic when you compare the two, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. Now, I want to circle back to Dog Day God, because like we said earlier, Dog Day God paid Basa Mafia $12,000 in Bitcoin money for the hit out against Amy. Now, when authorities looked into Stephen's computer, they discovered a 34-digit Bitcoin code that matches the same one that Dog Day God sent to Besa Mafia. This confirmed to the police that Stephen was Dog Day God. So Stephen was the one putting out a hit against his wife. The computer forensics team were actually able to figure out that Stephen had put the 34-digit code into a note on his notes app on his iPhone. And only 20 seconds later, that same code was posted by Dog Day God on the Basa Mafia website, and then it was deleted on the notes app. However, at that point, the note had already been sent to the cloud, which is where all your information is stored. So even though he thought he deleted it, he didn't really delete it. Police were also able to confirm that the emails that were sent to Amy after they returned home from Germany, so the emails that were sent by that woman named Jane 
were also sent by Stephen, and they were able to make this connection because the emails had included Amy's relative's address to inflict more fear into her, and it was discovered that right before the emails were sent, Stephen was looking up Amy's relative's same addresses on the internet. So he was looking up the addresses and then putting them into the email, which if you just think about this is absolutely insane because you think about the fact that when the FBI showed up on Amy's doorstep to tell her that there was a hit out against her, Stephen acted so afraid for his wife's safety, installing all of these security cameras, new security systems, going out and purchasing a gun, when in reality, he knew the entire time that the only person that she needed to be afraid of was him. But then at that same token, she thought, because that's her husband, the only person that she could trust in that moment was him. I just can't imagine walking around thinking that your life is in danger and there's a hit out against you and all of these threatening emails are coming. Meanwhile, the person who you're falling asleep next to every single night is the one responsible for it. So what do authorities think happened here? Well, authorities believe that Stephen wanted his wife dead. He couldn't go through with the divorce because of his religion and he wanted her out. Some people have said it was for life insurance money, and some people have said it's because he wanted to be with other women. But do you remember when I said in the autopsy report that Amy had an anti-nausea medication in her system? Well, she was not prescribed that anti-nausea medication, and it is actually believed that Stephen had used that drug to try and poison Amy earlier that day. And that is why she wasn't feeling well. And that's why she felt so sick. However, when the poisoning attempt didn't work, authorities believe that Stephen then shot Amy all while their son was being taken care of by Amy's father and then staged the scene as a suicide. Two months after Amy's murder, Stephen was arrested and charged with second degree murder. So he wasn't given first degree at first and he actually made bail and he was able to return home, which is absolutely terrifying. However, two months later, Stephen was arrested again and charged with first-degree premeditated murder. Now, even though authorities said that Stephen did not seem surprised at his arrest, he has forever claimed his innocence. This case went to trial, and after eight hours of deliberation, the jury found Stephen guilty of the murder of Amy all wine, and he was charged with life in prison. Now, this case to me was different than any other that we have done before for the reason being that usually when you see a case like this, because we've seen cases like this before, the husband or the wife starts having affairs, starts, you know, doing their own thing, and they don't know what to do. A divorce just doesn't seem like an option for them, and they decide to murder their spouse. We've seen it in tons of cases before. However, the difference in this case to me is the fact that Stephen went to the extent of trying to put a hit out on his wife, as well as sending her the most threatening, frightening, scary 
emails one could possibly imagine receiving and to know that you're receiving them from the person that you trust more than anything, that to me is the part that just gets me because it's like, I can't even imagine having that feeling and having that much fear. And then you look to your husband who's supposed to be there for you to support you and all of those things, or your wife, regardless of the situation. And they're the one that's actually responsible and behind all of it. So let me know what you guys think of this case. You can email me at killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that is just killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. And with that being said, you guys, that's all for me today. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Killer Instinct. Again, if you are new here, hi, my name is Savannah and I'm your host of Killer Instinct. Make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. That way you are always notified when we post a new episode. We post weekly here every single Wednesdays and you are not going to want to miss it. I will be back next week with a brand new episode and until then, stay safe guys. Have fun tomorrow. So I I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better because it can bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better because it can bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7.